Here's one for you. I'm a fan of my little sayings, as I'm sure you well know by now. And here's one that I'm sure that you've heard before. You don't know what you have until you've lost it. Or some variation of that. And the the, the the typical example of that is, you know, your girlfriend breaks up with you. And, oh, you didn't realise how much you loved her until she dumped you. <laughs> and all that jazz. All right. And it's the same for when, uh, I don't know, maybe even on a longer kind of time scale, you didn't enjoy, with hindsight, say you might have enjoyed the time with your kids more. Because now they're growing up and they don't give a fuck about you. And they're stroppy teenagers and they hate you. <laughs> I could see how somebody, a parent of a stroppy teenager would kind of look back on the time when the kid was, you know, five or six or maybe even two or ten or whatever age and remember and reminisce over the, the innocence and kind of go, oh, God, I didn't appreciate that as much as, as I could have. Now, look, a big part of that is just life. But anyway, I am a fan of my little sayings, but I'm also a fan of tweaking sayings just to fucking be really self-serving and to suit myself so what i like is what i like is the reverse of that so the way it was always told to me is you don't know what you have until it's gone or you don't know what you have until you've lost it or you the sentiment is the same you don't see the value in something until you don't have that something anymore and it's only with retrospect in the conditions of loss that you appreciate what it was that you had. But what I want to talk about here now is the reverse of that. It's the idea that you don't know what you haven't until you have it. Now, I'm literally only after coming up with that in the last couple of minutes, so it's it's not exactly polished or concretized or crystallized or just, you know, set in stone just yet. But, but bear with me, because again, like all of my fucking ramblings, it's not the words exactly that really matter. It's just the gist. Once you get the gist of it, once I'm able to convey the gist of it, the sentiment of it, the spirit of it, once I can get that across, that is literally all that matters. Okay, so you don't know what you haven't until you have it. Pre-COVID, okay, I couldn't get my head around how good I have it now, say. And what do I mean by that? So let me just backtrack a little. It was what, March, maybe February, maybe even as early as January, January, February, the start of 2020, there was whispers of this fucking virus in China. Okay, now, I completely ignore the news, so I I was well behind in all of this. But I remember a mate of mine mentioned it to me, and I just kind of rolled my eyes and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fucking, it's SARS and Ebola and fucking all the rest of it, all combined, and it's going to spread across the globe and it's going to wipe us all out. And he was like, no, 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 like, he, he could see my cynicism in it because he knew that I don't listen to the news and I don't pay attention to all that nonsense. But he goes, no, 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 Frano, this is different. <laughs> well, how right he was. It is different. It's very different. This was one of these rare occasions when the news was actually worth paying attention to. Now, in hindsight, I'm still glad I wasn't paying attention to it to it until somebody told me about it and I'm more than happy to continue with that because unless you're going to unless you're going to have your your own these days what you need is your your own your own political correspondence so like I have a guy who has an interest in bitcoin for example so if I ever have any question to ask or want to know something about cryptocurrencies I hit my I hit up my 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 cryptocurrency correspondent, basically. A mate of mine who's involved in it 
and gets it and understands it and follows it and all the rest of it. And I have the same for politics. I'm sorry, I have the same for American politics. I have a mate of mine who follows American politics. He's like my own personal correspondent. He fucking watches the news. And I know what type of person he is. Therefore, I know what type of information he gives me. I, I know how to how to parse it. I know who it's coming from. So I kind of know whether or not he's exaggerating a little or whether he's not exaggerating a little. But the idea being that I have a handle on the people who are giving me this information and I have a handle on where this information is coming from. So I can kind of make up my own mind in relation to what all these different people tell me. Anyway, forget get it. I don't want to talk about that. I don't know why I'm rambling on about that. What I do want to talk about is... Bang! At the start of 2020, you're in fucking lockdown, and that's just it. And the whole country was like, oh, fuck, right, Jesus Christ. And we were all kind of shitting ourselves to one de- one degree or another. Now, I personally wasn't worried about myself or my, immediately fa- or my immediate family. But, you know, my mum and my uncles and aunties and that, like, fuck, especially at the start of the year, like, there was savage concern for them, if for no other reason that they were going to have to be in lockdown for the rest of their fucking lives. Okay, because there was at that stage there was no guarantee, not that there is now, but there was no guarantee that there was going to be a successful vaccine anytime soon. There was no surefire way of stopping transmission outside of, you know, isolating yourself from the rest of the world. And life can be fucking tough enough when you're, you know, pushing it in the years or you have an underlying health condition or fucking both without throwing solitary confinement into the fucking mix. Think about it, lads. Solitary confinement is a punishment in a maximum security prison. And that's essentially what we've sentenced a lot of people in this country and in all countries too. But anyway, again, I'm fucking off on tangent, off tangent, off tangent here. Sticking with the lockdown, bang! It was just imposed on us. We None of us knew what to fucking do. And we all just kind of made the most of it. Or at least some of us did, or I did at least, or tried to. Made the most of the time that I was at home. Spent a load of time with herself and the kids. Got a load of work done around the house and all the rest of it. I was blessed because, you know, I don't live in a two-bed semi in fucking Fingless. Do you know what kind of way? But anyway. The second lockdown was different. The second lockdown was, right, fuck, okay, we're at this shit again. Time to get fucking busy. That was my mentality. Time to get fucking... Time time to, to seize the opportunity, basically. And I took the bull with both horns and got after it. I don't know. I still haven't accurately weighed myself because I'm trying not to be too anal about different things. I'm just eating clean and training like fuck. But I'm fucking twice the man I was at the start of lockdown. Mentally, physically, emotionally, maybe not financially. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. And I know a lot of yous are doing good because you have contacted me. And you have been doing your own version of what I've been doing. And you've been making the most of the second lockdown. You've been going after it and fucking getting it done. Now, bringing this back to where I started, the opposite of you don't know what you have until you've lost it is you don't know what you have until you have it. I'm after creating a, a little mini life for myself over the past six weeks i've essentially been to some degree almost acting like a fucking millionaire don't have to go to work no can't go to work don't have work to go to unfortunately but you know if you just if you change your your view of it slightly 
you don't have to go to work. Who else doesn't have to go to work? Super fucking rich people. They don't have to go to work. I knew over the course of six weeks that I wasn't going to go broke and starve because I'm getting the COVID payment and, you know, I have a business and I have means and I'm lucky in that sense, okay? I don't mean to fucking rub anybody's nose into it, but I've been, we've been okay, thankfully, okay? We're not on the breadline. We're not fucking in risk of losing our home. We're in risk of joining a fucking a food queue or anything like that. And I am fully fucking aware that there are many thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in this country who are who are in that predicament. And my heart goes out to them. It genuinely does. But I'm not going to let that cloud my own vision and basically say, oh, well, if some people in the country are fucked, I should be fucked with them or pretend to be fucked or not take the opportunity to capitalise on a bad situation. But I couldn't have imagined the kind of freedom that I have now or that I've had that I've enjoyed over the past couple of weeks. Like I remember, a great question to ask yourself is what would you do if you didn't have to work? Now, I, I haven't come up with this now since COVID. This is something that was told to me fucking God knows decades ago probably. And it's what every it's what every career guidance teacher should be asking students in schools and it's what parents should be asking their, their teenagers especially. If you didn't have to work, what would you do? And my answer to that was always, I'd study and train full-time. So I'd hit the books and read up and learn and educate myself about all sorts. And I'd train like a fucking professional athlete. Like, what could be better than a life of training and studying? To me, at least. It mightn't be everybody's cup of tea. But to me, at least, that's what it would be. And that's, in hindsight, that's essentially what I've been doing over the last six weeks. Like, the podcast every day, like, I haven't put a massive amount of effort into it. But I have been thinking about it constantly. And I've been thinking about interesting things. And before I regurgitate something interesting that's, in, that's been in my head, I've Googled it because I don't want to be spreading misinformation. King of misinformation. Shout out to a friend of the show, Fiercre Ward. Hi, Fiercre. Fiercre contacted me in relation to something that I had said about my calorie intake. I had said that I was consuming something like 4,000 calories on the day, on the strength and conditioning days, and he thought that was a bit excessive. And he also heard me say that I had burned 2,000 calories in a two-hour session in the gym, which he thought, he was wearing a sceptical face, basically, when he heard me say that. Thought about it a bit more and was like, that's not right. That's like, you know, you're not fucking... uh, Eddie Hall, world's strongest man, deadlift world champion. Do you know what kind of way? Like you're, it just didn't sound right. So since I've made that recording, I've got my heart rate monitor and I'm starting to get into grips with this. And since then, I did just shy of three hours strength and conditioning the other day and I only burned 1,300 calories, only. But still, 1,300 calories in two hours and 45 minutes is fucking loads. 2,000 calories in two hours, like I said I had done the previous week, I I, don't, I wouldn't say it's not possible, but it's fucking up there with, you know, world record shit. So, not probable. Not possible? Not not possible, but not probable. But it wasn't without Fiercre's message that he sent me about it that I kind of realised what I had said and what I was thinking, more importantly. Because if I've said something, it's not, sometimes I misspeak, okay? Sometimes I fucking say two plus two is five and I go on and I don't notice it. I, I'll allow myself misspeaking given that none of this is scripted and it's all off the top of my dome. But in relation to burning 2,000 calories in two hours, I had it in my head that I had done that. And it wasn't until Fiacre contacted me that he pointed that 
out to me and I went fuck yeah you're right and then I researched it a little bit more and I was like I only burned 1300 calories in 2 hours and 45 minutes so how could I have done 2000 calories in 2 hours fucking nice one brother so shout out to fucking Vehicle Ward but before I actually let that go he mentioned that the 4,000 calories in the day in the, that day was excessive, but I don't know because I, I have to. This is what I have, what I love to chat to you about, and to find out more. And again, if anybody who's listening to this knows about this kind of shit, fucking hit me up. I'm off the lead at gmail.com or any of the social media um, places. So 4,000 calories. Like if I'm to take in two and a half thousand calories as a kind of an average daily man should, and I'm burning 1,300 calories in the gym. Never mind anything else I do throughout today. Like there's 3,800 calories. So to me, in my innocence, from my from my perspective of poor knowledge on this subject, that kind of makes a bit of sense. Now again, I could be missing something, or I could be missing loads of things. But that's the side. That's all. That's aside the point. The point is that I'm learning. And that's the beauty of it. So I'm doing the training and I'm learning. It, and they, they kind of, they, they complement each other because the more I train, the more I get to learn. And the more I learn, the more I get to train. And the better my rest becomes, the better my food intake becomes, the better my hydration becomes, the better my sleep becomes, the better I time my training in relation to my water intake and my food intake and my sleep and everything else. It just pushes the whole thing on. But again, getting back to the very start, you don't know what you haven't until you have it. I've never experienced this type of a life. I've For the last six weeks, I've been living somewhat the life of a, an athlete who's just mad to learn. Now, I could be in for a big fucking wake-up call. The restaurants are opening up soon and I've sowed seeds and I'm, I'm betting on them being open and me having to supply them. Now, who the fuck knows what's happened or what's going to happen? But anyway, the point is... If you've been getting after it, like so many of you I know have been because you've contacted me. And thanks again. All that shit goes a very, very, very long way. And it, it's gotten me to fucking episode 38, lads. 38 of 42. And I'm looking forward to to getting back doing the conversations with people. Shout out to Bernard Smith, friend of the show and future guest. Bernard's committed to coming on. Um, When I build my studio, which is nearly finished. I might pull the finger out and get Bernard on in the, in the coming weeks. Looking forward to doing the conversations with people again. And I'm looking forward to doing more solos. But, you know, just a, an impromptu solo. Maybe a solo that takes me four or five days to script and sit down and write. And it could be on anything. Now, odds are it'll be on something that I've already touched on before. And I'll be looking to expand on it. But again, it's all part of the education. It's all part of the journey. Oh, maybe think about this. Everybody's harping on about getting back to normal or the new normal or... You'll often hear people say, oh, I just can't wait till this is all fucking behind us and we're, you know, quote unquote, back to normal. Fuck being back to normal. That's what I say. If you can at all, if it's within your power at all, fuck going back to normal. Unless, of course, you had an absolutely perfect life before COVID and that's all you want is to go back to your absolutely perfect life. But I mean, how many of us were fucking, how many of us were had that good of lives? And we can see the downsides that COVID have brought us. But, you know, focusing them at your peril you know sit at home and moan about how you can't do this and you can't do that and how you you'd like to do this and you'd like to do that and then say to yourself how many of all these things that you can't do were you that you can't do now were you doing pre-covid because i've said to myself oh jesus it'd be great to go for pints with this fella and it'd be great to to meet up with this guy and have a meal and be met up to meet up with this person that person and do this that and the other but realistically, pre-COVID, I wasn't doing any of that. 
Now, maybe I will. Maybe absence makes the heart grow fonder. There's another little fucking cliche quote for you. Maybe that's the case. Maybe we'll really appreciate everything that we don't have now when we have it back again. But odds are we'll take all that for granted within a wet week of all this COVID crack being behind us. Realistically, I mean, don't let back to normal be back to where you were pre-COVID. Have there be some fucking progression. And maybe if you haven't made the most of the last six weeks, bear this in mind. There's probably going to be another lockdown. And if there's going to be another lockdown, I'm not committing to this now by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll probably do another fucking solo season. Why not, like? Who knows? But fuck it. In it to win it. And I'll chat you tomorrow.